is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the docile tones of Lincoln Park can mean only one thing. It's time for the new TNN to transform and roll out. My name is Johnny C, and of course, welcome to Junkman, the show here on the new TNN where we watch some movies that are usually considered to be pieces of junk. And then uh, at the end, I decide, is it junk or is it not? Now, I can't believe that I volunteered for this assignment. Uh, recently, here in the real world, uh, we had this day where out of nowhere, a fuck ton of new movie trailers dropped, and it got old Johnny C a little excited in his pants. We saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer, and I was like, eh, Marvel, James Gunn, We'll get there. It has nothing to do with this. And then, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Still a lot of CGI in that movie. Remember the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? That's uh, okay, though. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Spielberg's not directing, so it could be good. But but what does any of this have to do with this show? So there was one more trailer released. Transformers in six five five six five seven. You know what? There's just a new Transformers movie coming out next year. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Taking place in the 90s. And it looks like the Transformers are going to look like how they did in the cartoon that we all knew and loved when we were kidsters. Because that's who they're selling this to now, right? My kids don't give a shit about the Transformers. My kids ain't got no money. I don't have much money, but I have a little bit of money. I could buy a movie ticket, and I remember the Transformers. So they're selling this to me, obviously, and they're bringing in the Beast. Wars characters from Beast Wars, which would never really meant anything to me. And to tell you the truth, all Beast Wars was was a shitty cartoon. Well, I don't know that it was shitty. I never watched Beast Wars. If it was good, it was good. That's fine. I believe you if you say it was. The animation style, of course, looking back on it is, yeah, but I'm sure it was good for the time. And uh, I just remembered it as a shitty PlayStation 1 game. Like, really shitty. Like, really, really shitty. Like, really shitty. But a certain thing happened as I watched this trailer. I thought, oh, fuck. This looks good. I mean, it's not being directed by Michael Bay. It looks like they've simplified the transforming animations. And plus, I mean, the way everybody looks, I'm kind of all in and a little bit excited to take a look at that Transformers movie next year, which might be a Junkman special report. You never know. But because of that, because of all this shenanigans, I sat down and I was like, you know, I might rewatch some Transformers. And I 
I felt no need to rewatch Transformers 1, 2, or 3 because I've seen them quite a bit. Um, I have not seen Transformers 4 and Transformers 5 that much. And so I sat down and I started watching Transformers Age of Extinction. And about an hour into it, I realized, my God, we've, we've hardly gotten anywhere in the plot of this film. There's an hour and 45 minutes left. This movie is insane. And I turned it into the latest edition of Junkman. So here we are to talk about 2014's Transformers Age of Extinction. Of course, directed by Michael Bay, the gentleman who's responsible for the five theatrical Transformers films that start with the word Transformers. He did not direct Bumblebee. That's probably why Bumblebee's like the second best one, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, usually on Junk... Well, why don't we just start with the beginning, all right? So... The film's directed by Michael Bay. We usually talk about who's in it. We're going to. It stars Mark Wahlberg for some reason. Bro, bro, you're never going to believe what I found. You what I found at this junk shop. Yo, bro, it's B. It's Bumblebee, my bro. Stanley Tucci, godsend to this film. We'll get there. Kelsey Grammer, the beast himself. What the fuck are you doing here, Kelsey? Nicola Peltz, Beckham, because she's married to David Beckham's kid now. Jack Raynor, Sophia Miles, Bing Bing Lee, Titus Welliver, and T.J. Miller. I forget why we're supposed to hate T.J. Miller. I just hate him because he wears those hipster glasses. I'm sure if he did the things that he's allegedly done, he's a bigger piece of shit. But goddamn, is there a more annoying human being on the planet than a T.J. Miller? And don't say Johnny C. But you're not wrong. (laughs) And, uh... (laughs) God damn this movie. My whole point is that on Junk Man, I usually go through the entire movie for better or worse, okay? And sometimes I get really, really, really down into the nitty gritty. I can't do it on this one. We're talking big picture here, all right? So it might be a shorter episode. It might be a longer episode. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about, but I I cannot go through this thing scene by scene. I cannot stop and pause and take that many notes. It would take me 72 hours to get through this fucking film. So let's start with Transformers, the franchise, what it is, and what uh, how I feel about it. And then we'll get into Transformers 4, Age of Extinction. So the Transformers series, on the whole, is... Eh, some, some of it's good. Some of it's meh. Some of it's, oh my god, please put that giant Cybertronian gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. What's the biggest problem with the Transformers franchise? Well, I would say, number one, the man whose vision is being realized, and that being Michael Bay. Michael Bay has a love for the nonsensical. Michael Bay loves to film everything like it's a product, okay? For example, you're walking down the street... You you are you walking down the street? You're walking, uh, you know, near your house. You you mount the steps to your porch, and uh, suddenly you pull a Nokia cell phone out of your uh, pocket and you text your buddy. And you feel the whole sequence is a very normal thing that normal humans do. But the, but the way Bay shoots it, you feel like at any point after I'm done texting, I'm gonna just spike the camera and be like, Nokia, God, I'm glad the world's connected. And then you know, Nokia. Buy our phones. Flavor prohibited in Utah. You know, shit like that. Plus, Michael Bay is addicted to pornography. Military pornography. This dude loves the goddamn United States military. Now, on one hand, 
I understand he likes the military because the military gives him access because he makes them, and I'm doing the finger quotes thing here, look good. But because of that, the entire Transformers filmography has a ridiculous relationship with its military, but also, more importantly and more on the nose, the human characters in the Transformers films take up way too much of our time, effort, and care. And and they're some of the worst written, most uninteresting, fucking living stereotypes, one-note characters you've ever fucking seen. Anytime a big Transformer battle starts, Michael wants to pull the camera away from the giant robots that I paid to see punch each other, and he wants to focus on the humans running away to safety, or he wants to focus on the military jets that will arrive at a moment's notice and shoot some missiles. I just want to watch watch the punching! What's that? A sword came out of Optimus Prime's hand? Cool! Let's see him use it. It's like Optimus Prime is fighting uh, Soundwave, and a giant sword comes out of Optimus Prime's hand, and then we cut! To watch fucking uh, Megan Fox run away from uh, some fucking stunt show explosions. And then she gets to safety and she's like, oh, 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 Okay, what do we do now? Meanwhile, I was promised a sword, right? A giant robot sword. Where is it? I'll tell you where it is. It's off-camera stabbing shit that I never get to see. Now... Transformers from 2007, the first Transformers film, a very Spielbergian boy realizes his car is alive, navigates the tumultuous times of a teenager, and accidentally saves the world. The first Transformers film, I give a little bit of a pass because we're being introduced to the world and we need a guidepost, and God help me, I'll die on this hill. I love Shia LaBeouf's performance in Transformers. I knew nothing about Shia LaBeouf. I'm like, this kid's hilarious. This kid's got charisma, as Polly Shore would say. And this kid lights up the screen. I'd love to see this kid hang out with Harrison Ford for a little bit. You know? I mean, I bought into the Shia. And, and, and I don't... This is not... I'm not throwing shade at the person. I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't care. The man has his own life. Whatever. But whatever people might think about the person, I stand by Shia's performance in the first one. Things are also a little bit under control, all right? We might get wacky John Turturro's pants falling down and seeing that, yes, he's a secret super government spy that wears wacky boxer shorts, but they seem to rein it in. Sure, you've got an uninterested John Voight saying words he doesn't understand, but they somehow rein it in. And God help me, you could almost follow the final battle in Transformers 1, even though, again, they seem to cut away when I want to see things. But... We're being introduced to the Transformers. It's a good enough balance because Shia's likable. And you figure when all things are wrapped up and done and Shia finally gets it wet on top of Bumblebee, you think to yourself, well, I'm sure in the sequels we'll focus more on the robots. How wrong could we be? Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Introducing Transformers at a moment's whim. Some of them unnamed. Some of them don't even make sense. Did you guys know RC is in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen? RC, the pink female Transformer who stands out like a sore thumb, but in a good way. What I'm saying is RC's design stands out because you're like, oh, a female Transformer. Okay. Well, guess what? In the Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, she's there for two seconds and she's three motorcycles that don't that aren't pink and She's three transformed. Like I don't, and I don't care. Like I'm just saying, it, I'm just using this RC character as an example to show that that these movies are 
They just don't know what they want to do. They do things on a whim. They do things that don't make any fucking sense. And don't even get me started on the plot of Transformers 2. All right? It's like, did you know, Sandwich Wiki, that we've been here since ancient Egypt? Even though, in the first film, we've never been to Earth. Don't get me started on Bumblebee. Apparently, he fought Hitler and also came here in the 80s with Hawkeye. You know Hawkeye, that girl that shoots the arrows. Hold on, I'm getting a message from your internet. Your internet hates the fact that Hawkeye is now a girl. What's the internet's problem, Sandwich Wiki? If nothing else, if they hate that it's a girl, and they hate that Disney is focusing on girls and gays, Sandwich Wiki, why can't these angry men on the internet rally behind the fact that Haley Steinfeld's kind of hot, Sandwich Wiki? What's their problem? Anywho, and then Transformers 3 happens, and it's a bit of a course correction. You got badass litter Nimoy as Sentinel Prime. You get Sandwich Wiki. Did you know we also landed on the moon in the 60s? I was friends with your president, John F. Kennedy. We shared a bowl of marijuana, and he told me about his problems with Marilyn Monroe. Of course, I was forced later to assassinate her. But that's another story, Sam Witwicky. This is my Optimus Prime, by the way. Get used to hearing it. But it's like they doubled down on the nonsense in the Transformers history, and they doubled down on the ridiculous characters like Francis McDormand, John Malkovich, Dr. Ken. Uh, but they give up Patrick Dempsey! My favorite teen star, Patrick Dempsey. He should be yours, too. Michael, or Michael, uh, Megan Fox is out. Rosie Huntington Wheatley is in as Sam Witwicky's girlfriend. Uh, Sam Witwicky gets a medal from President Obama. Sam's parents are back. But Transformers Dark of the Moon is sort of cut right down in the middle. It's like once the Battle of Chicago starts, it's like, oh, maybe this movie isn't bad. And then they have Shia LaBeouf kill Starscream, and I want to kill myself. And then Optimus Prime gets caught, gets his foot caught on a rope for most of the Battle of Chicago. Sam Witwicky, I'm caught on this rope. Get me down from here so I can be in Transformers Dark of the Moon's conclusion, Sandwich Wiki. And then we get the ridiculous fucking too much focus on uh, Josh Duhamel and uh, Tyrese as they're in the building. Like, I don't know. This isn't a review of the three Transformers films, but uh, the Battle of Chicago's fine. And then it ends, and it's like, guess what, Sandwich Wiki? We own this planet now! Actually, it doesn't end that way. So, as Transformers 4 starts... It's been five years, I think, since the Autobot Decepticon War on Earth really erupted and concluded in what's known as the Battle of Chicago, where Chicago got a fucking facelift, meaning it doesn't really exist anymore. But I guess it does, because it's in this movie. But they basically fucked up most of Chicago, and uh, the human race, the government, sort of has had enough of Transformers. So in the time that's passed, the war has pretty much concluded. Transformer activity is pretty much at a minimum. But there's all this propaganda around the United States like, remember Chicago, these are our enemies. Sandwich Wiki, why am I now an enemy? That poster's supposed to have President Obama and say hope, but now it has Bumblebee and it says fear. That might be Transformers 5, actually, but it's irrelevant. And uh, the Transformers have sort of Got been in disguise for quite some time. 
Uh, the Decepticons have mostly been rounded up, but some Autobots are still being hunted. The United States citizens believe that Autobots were given asylum, and now they just fucking live amongst us as our uh, semi-trucks and Amazon delivery vehicles, I guess. But we're pretty much okay with it. But we're supposed to report any Transformers activity. That's our setup. The movie begins... And we're going to do this in an act structure, okay? Act 1, the beginning. 65 million years ago, there's a little CGI dinosaur running around just having himself a little Saturday, eating some shit and hunting some fish and, and, and you know running around with his poorly animated dino friends. Wouldn't you know, some giant alien spaceships fall out of the sky and they drop a seed onto the planet Earth. A large portion of the planet Earth starts to become metal. And it kills the dinosaurs until they're all gone. Now, I should mention, we don't know who's flying these ships. I guess we're supposed to believe it's the Transformers. But then, we see inside the ship, and what can only be described as an organic hand, clearly something that's alive, that's not made of metal, presses the button, and basically terraforms the Earth, uh, making a precious metal that humans will later call transformium. So if I'm to understand this, 65 million years ago, a genius alien race came to Earth because it was pretty much void of life, and we're like, let's terraform this planet to make some metal, harvest the metal, and go create a race of robots on the planet Cybertron and just kind of see what happens. Okay, I can roll with that. That's where the Transformers come from. The aliens that created the Transformers used the planet Earth to get some metal. When they got all the metal they needed to make the alien race that we know as the Transformers, they bailed and took off. In the present, though, in the Arctic, Michael Bay's crazy one-note insane characters immediately make their presence known when a sexy lady who's way overdressed to be a geologist in the Arctic arrives at a dig site and some crazy guy's like, oh my god, you're ever going to believe what we found? Uh, this sexy model geologist has to go through a metal detector? Like, you're on a glacier. You can literally walk any direction you want. Take a left here, take a right there, forward, backwards. I can see the giant metal dinosaur you're trying to show me, Tony. You know? But there's a, a, a metal detector? And a random dude with a shotgun? And the model doesn't want to walk through the metal detector. And geologist dude's like, hey, you better go through the metal detector, man. This guy's fucking crazy. He'll shoot you. And guy's like, Soviet Russia, I cock shotgun and shoot you. And the model's like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not going through this metal detector. You know, and is any of that relevant or important? No! But we waste time on it. And the sexy model geologist finds this robot dinosaur. And she's like, oh, shit. Human history is about to change <sighs> smash cut to texas usa and if you don't know you're in the united states don't worry michael bay makes sure to include and i counted at a minimum 35 shots that include the united states flag before we leave the the fucking act one all right we're introduced to mark Wahlberg's cade yeager cade yeager is a single dad whose wife has passed away. I think, also, whomever wrote this script, you know, uploaded a picture of Mark Wahlberg into the WWE NXT database 
and the computer gave Mark Wahlberg's character an NXT name. Because this fucking Cade Yeager name absolutely sounds like some hot young indie wrestler that gets hired by Triple H and immediately rebranded into NXT. It's like, hey, look, here's a fucking Loki or fucking AJ Styles. And he shows up and it's like, hey, you know who that is? That's Cade Yeager, Tony. I heard about him on the independent scene when he was AJ Styles, but now he's Cade Yeager. So NXT hopeful Cade Yeager is a widowed inventor who's down on his luck. He can't seem to invent anything. For some reason, I guess his high school buddy Lucas, played by T.J. Miller, works for him. Now, what do we know about Lucas, T.J. Miller? Well, he's the quote-unquote funny guy, but... How do we? How can we find a shortcut to explain who this character is? Well, let's put him in a wacky surfboard car. You know, it's like one of those little old Navy cars, like cars you see on the old Navy shirt with the surfboards on it. I don't know what they are. I don't know shit about surfing culture. It's like, hey, I'm a wacky T.J. Miller. I, I state obvious things and make corny jokes, and uh, for some reason I have a surfboard car, even though we're in landlocked Texas. They go to an old movie theater, I guess, to hunt for junk. And of course, this movie theater has an old man who's senile who's like, Ah, no, the, the thing that's wrong with movies today, kidsters, is the movies aren't any good. And his nephew's there, and he's like, Yeah, you guys can buy anything you find if it's for a good price. I hate my uncle because he's senile. I ain't changing any more of his diapers. Like, I don't need to know all this shit. I don't need to know all this shit about these wacky characters that disappear. Fuck you, Michael Bay. The important things we learn here are that Lucas and Kate are down on their luck. They can't seem to make any money. They're broke. Uh, they throw a football here. Uh, you remember when, we, remember when we played football, T.J. Miller? Yeah, you never made varsity because you're T.J. Miller. Yeah, but I've, I've got these hipster glasses, though, Kate. And you're still trying out for NXT. Can I be funny? No! Shut up, T.J. There's a giant semi-truck in this movie. How did this semi-truck get into the movie theater? How do they get it out of the movie theater? Have you ever been to a movie theater? Do you see any doors that would be big enough to get a semi-truck in here? Okay, maybe Optimus Prime came in as a robot and crawled in through a giant fucking garage. Okay, but how does NXT hopeful Kate Yega, bro, get Optimus Prime out of here because he buys this truck from the guy that owns the movie theater and we all know it's Optimus Prime because we're not stupid. Cade Yeager takes the home, the truck home with Lucas but we're already at home when Cade arrives because before Cade gets here we get to meet his 17 year old who was actually 18 at the time daughter Tessa played by Nicola pelts or whatever she's in uh, the last airbender she's awful there she's off her here awful here but she gets out of the car and she's dressed you know like a normal teenager and of course this angers kate yeager and people will say that uh, michael bay's camera loves to you know focus on her short shorts and her long legs and everything like that and yes that's a little creepy but she's not dressed inappropriately or anything like that and of course kate can't say it's like he's like bro your shorts are so short and I can see your titties hanging out. What's the problem with you, teenage daughter? And it's like, well, she's a teenager in the United States in the 20s. 20, 20 whatevers. Like, she dresses like she dresses, man. Leave her alone. She's trying to get into college. She can't get financial aid. Why can't she get financial aid? Her dad's bank account's like zero. Fuck, man. You, you know how easy it is to get financial aid in the United States? 
I mean, I'm not saying it's like super easy, but you can get it. Especially people that don't have any money. That's what it's for. And that's a good thing. I'm saying that that's a good thing. You should be able to get financial aid. College shouldn't cost so much, but you should be able to get financial aid, okay? But why can't she get it, man? She's got nothing. Nothing. She's, but when her friends drop her off, it is a great moment where she like has to act like a stupid girl. She's like, whoa, bitches, are we going to be on spring break or what? Woo! She gets home and fucking Mark Wahlberg's security dog's like, identify yourself, identify yourself. Uh, I, I can't even, I can't even do it with these fucking things, all right? I think she's about to do a cam show, by the way, to make some extra money, and that's fine. Well, it's not fine because she's a minor, but in real life, if you're of legal age, you got to do a cam show. That's fine, all right? Do what you got to do. The world is a fucking awful place, all right? Don't let anybody give you a hard time for doing what you got to do to make money. But because she's talking to some dude on the camera, and this, you know, Kate Yeager is like, yo, Tessa, bro, I didn't get into NXT, but I bought this semi-truck. And she's like, Dad, what the fuck, man? You never make shit. Of course... Another wonderful Michael Bay one-note character shows up. There's a crazy real estate lady who's trying to sell Kate's house, even though it's not for sale and not yet owned by the bank. And they have a confrontation. I think Kate Yeager's pissed because there's a black woman on his property. But they don't. the movie doesn't overtly state that. But this is Texas. All right? This is Texas. Uh, and he, like, chases her away with a baseball bat. And she's like, and, of course, she's super wacky. She's like, I'm going to get my brother. He's going to beat your ass. And he's like, your brother Jeffrey, man, I've seen him. He's fat as shit. Bring him, bro. I got a baseball bat, and this is Texas. I could kill you for looking at me the wrong way, bro. Uh, you know, but that's sort of the life that the Jaeger family lives. There is a great moment. I, I forget the context of it. Uh, just going off this Texas thing. Uh, Kate Yeager's, or Mark Wahlberg's yelled at TJ Miller, and he's like, I own you, bro. I own all your ideas because you work for me. And TJ Miller's character does have a decent enough line in the script. He's like, he's like, I don't think you can own people anymore. Not even in Texas or something like that. He's like, you can't own people anymore. That was a long time ago. Not even in Texas or something like that, which is, of course, there's like funny about slavery, but the joke's pretty on key to make fun of Texas. Um... The, the real problem here is that Cade Yeager not only is a NXT dropout and a shitty inventor, but he's really an uptight dad because he got his girlfriend, who was his wife, pregnant when they were in high school. And I guess that's why he never got to go to college, bro, and prove himself. You don't have to go to college to prove yourself or accomplish things, all right? But I guess that's the stance this movie is taking. And so there we go. So he's really hard on her. You can't date boys, bro. Once you go to college, that's okay. Sure, you'll be willfully unprepared and probably fuck the first guy you see because you're horny. I understand that. It's hard being a teenager. So what I'll do, bro, is make sure you can't get fingered or anything while you're in high school. So you go fuck the first guy you meet in college. It'll be perfect. And then you'll be pregnant in college, bro. Pregnant in high school is a bad idea. Pregnant in college is okay. <sighs> Meanwhile, a secret branch of the government named Cemetery Wind, led by Kelsey Grammer, mm, Kelsey Grammer, is hunting a robot somewhere. It doesn't matter. I think the audience is led to believe that this Cemetery Wind covert military operation that's off the CIA's books is hunting the remaining Decepticons down that are still... Decepticons, bad guy Transformers, by the way, but they're not. They're actually hunting... Transformers 1 through 3 stalwart, who's still alive? Ratchet! 
You might remember Ratchet. He's the Autobots medical officer, Ratchet. Hmm, the boy's pheromones indicate he wants to mate with the female. That guy. So, this cemetery wind, who's just made up, as we know, at this moment, of a bunch of fucking tiny humans, are able to beat the shit out of Ratchet with their missiles and what have you. Of course, Ratchet's not really a soldier, I guess. He is just a doctor. But still, he's an Autobot and he's a good guy. In fact, when they find Ratchet, he's like, Wait, I'm a good guy. Look, I swear, I've got this sweet Autobot tattoo. There's an awful scene as they're, like, blowing apart his leg and shooting at him. And Ratchet's like, Stop, I'm actually an ally of you humans. And his voice is very leveled and mellow and doesn't at all match what's happening. He's like, Stop, my name is Ratchet, medical officer 7645420 or whatever. As he's saying that, he's getting hit with rockets. He should be like, wait, my name is Ratchet. Autobot identification 69420. No! But he's just really relaxed and chill about the whole thing. Cemetery Wind, the military operation, is looking for Optimus Prime, and that's why they're giving Ratchet a hard time. And, uh,. Ratchet won't give up the goods. And that's when we meet our wild card character. A Transformer arrives on the scene. He is a Transformer assassin. He's not an Autobot. He's not a Decepticon. Which is kind of an interesting concept. Because at this point in time, I've been led to believe you got to be one or the other. This guy's an independent. He's a third-party candidate, Monsoon. There needs to be a third party. And I just see the Governor Ventura, along with Lockdown, are going to represent the third party in the 2024 elections. So make sure you check that box. Ventura Lockdown 2024. Lockdown's pretty okay looking. He transforms into a sports car, as one Transformer is apt to do. But he can also transform his face into a giant fucking hand cannon. That's pretty cool. I guess it'd be a face cannon. Lockdown is working for... Well, these guys are working with Lockdown. And Lockdown wants to find Optimus Prime. Where is he? Go fuck yourself, says Ratchet. And so Ratchet rips out his spark, or his heart, and is like, alright, that's cool. And uh, the, the government takes away Ratchet for scraps. We'll, we'll find out later what happened to Ratchet. So that's pretty much the way that things are going here. No Decepticons. This evil government unit is hunting down Transformers for reasons unknown. And for some reason, this crazy fucking Boba Fett bounty hunter lockdown is looking for Optimus Prime. Back in Texas... NXT hopeful Kate Yeager discovers that this fucking semi-truck is actually a Transformer. Bro! Bro, I think I found a Transformer! Uh, TJ Miller's like, uh, why don't we call the government? I think they'll give us money or something. Kate's daughter's like, yes, please! Get some money! Send me to college! Get me the fuck out of here! Optimus Prime wakes up and tells Kate Yeager, God damn it, Kate Yeager! Ah, he wakes up all angry, like, I'll fucking kill you! Humans are hunting me! I saved this planet, like, three times! Don't mention the time I got my foot caught in the rope, Kate Yeager! But I guess I'll let you live for saving me. I'm not really a bad guy. I'm just pissed off. I got shot with, like, a missile? And I've been in low power mode ever since. I sent my Autobot friends into hiding, which is why you haven't seen any of them yet. Now I kind of sound like Jesse the Body Ventura, when in reality I'm voiced by legendary voice actor Peter Cullen. 
And you know what? I'm glad Peter Collins here. I get the nostalgic feels. But this dude sounds like he's one pack of Marlboro Reds away from death. He's also, God help me for saying it, not a very good voice actor at this stage of the game. He's just saying things like, of course, Optimus Prime isn't giving gang, giving any gangbuster lines to deliver or anything like that. But still, he's just all over the place. Like, Auto- Autobots are afraid of humans. Cade Yeager, I owe you a debt. Like, there's just, I don't know. It's all over the place. Wouldn't you know it, T.J. Miller decides to call the government and report that a rogue Transformer has been found here in Texas. Cemetery Wind and Kelsey Grammer sends his evil military unit to Cade Yeager's house. We get lots of shots of the United States flag and sunsets and this poor girl's fucking short shorts as Cemetery Wind arrives to find Optimus Prime. Cade Yeager is like, bro, first of all, I don't like your kind here on my property, bro. Second of all, I don't understand why you're here. This is the United States. You ain't got a warrant, bro. I know my rights. I'm Cade Yeager Inventor. I was on NXT one time, bro. And don't say, don't say that I'm a bad guy, bro, because I'm helping out robots. It's okay. I don't actually know any robots in particular, but I think if I did know a robot, he might be a pretty cool dude. He sounds like John Wayne. He, we smoke some Marlboro Reds. He's a decent enough guy. I took him down to the Bronx and got him a bagel. Cemetery Wind will hear none of this, and they're like, bro, if you don't tell us where Optimus Prime is, I'm going to execute your fucking daughter. Okay. And yet, fucking Cade Yeager still won't give up Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime waits until they're about to pull the trigger to emerge from the barn and be like, I am Optimus Prime! Listen to my grunts! I have a gun! I'll give the movie a little bit of credit, though. Optimus Prime transforms his backbones into his giant hand cannon and straight up executes some government officials at point-blank range. Of course... They don't show these guys disintegrating into dust. Optimus Prime, like, shoots the ground underneath them and they just go flying. But they're dead. I mean, they have to be dead, right? A wacky fucking chase through this property happens. TJ Miller, the girl in short shorts, and NXT hopeful Kate Yeager have to run away from the house as it explodes because lockdown's here and he shoots a rocket from, like, six miles away because, you know, he's got a big face cannon. And... I don't have a problem with Michael Bay's crazy explosions, but as these characters are running, like pyrotechnic explosion fireworks are are trailing them in the background. And it's kind of like when a wrestler comes down the aisle and pyro goes off in a row, and it's like a great stunt show looking thing. That There's so much stunt show pyrotechnics in this movie, you can see the goddamn explosions like containers in the ground. It's the worst-looking expensive shit I've ever seen. The Cade Yeager house explodes. Optimus Prime basically bails, like, I'll see you fuckers later! And it looks like our heroes are about to die when suddenly a Transformer emerges from the cornfield and the wheel of this Transformer hits a fucking military dude in the face, in slow motion. It's kind of crazy. But this dude's face should explode. 
There should be bones and muscle tissue and fucking gallons of blood everywhere. But some spit flies out of this guy's mouth and I think he's just unconscious. Oh, and guess what? It's not actually a Transformer. It's a Red Bull fucking rally racing car driven by Irish Star-Lord. Some dude who's clearly a male model that can't act, who's uh, Tessa's secret boyfriend and a sports car racer who just got picked up by Red Bull, but he looks like Chris Pratt. And he sounds Irish, so we've got Irish Star-Lord. Cade Yeager, NXT hopeful, should just be happy his daughter is safe, but he's like, bro, you know my daughter? You've been fucking my daughter, bro? They have this crazy car chase with the government, and of course... We, what I want to see is what Optimus Prime's up to. But no, we focus on driving through cornfields, listen to Irish Star-Lord and NXT hopeful Kate Yeager argue about whether or not he's allowed to finger his daughter. It, to make matters worse, Irish Star-Lord's like, hey, baby, do that thing where you move my stick. And Kate's like, what? And it turns out that she helps him stunt drive, like she works the fucking shaft and he drives. It doesn't matter. It None of this matters. Uh, Lockdown joins the battle, so Optimus Prime shows back up. They throw a couple of punches at each other. Uh, Lockdown throws an insane fucking metal grenade. We get some more stunt show pyrotechnics. TJ Miller, yes, gets killed in the blast. And, you know, we spend so much time lingering on his metal corpse, and and Cade's just staring at it like, bro, this is kind of serious. Like, I thought when I got kicked out of NXT was the worst day of my life. But, bro, this might be the worst day of my life. So, Act 1 ends with broken-ass Optimus Prime, NXT hopeful Cade Yeager, his daughter with the short shorts, and Irish Star-Lord fleeing Texas looking for a sanctuary. This takes the movie into Act 2. The middle Or, believe it or not, where things get even more difficult to understand. And it's not really because this movie's complex. It's that the movie holds things back piecemeal until we need to know it. And then they're so ill-defined, we don't care. But we'll get there. We'll simplify things. The movie slows down for just a, a few moments, if that's even possible in a Michael Bay film. Optimus Prime goes to do some stuff so they don't have to pay to animate him. And he drops off our three human heroes at, like, an abandoned gas station. So we've got NXT hopeful Katie Agabro, his daughter Tessa, and Irish Star-Lord. They hang out, as, you know, fugitives are to do. But Katie Aga is not pleased. Yo, Irish Star-Lord, come here. You fuck my daughter, bro? Well, 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 no, I mean, I, well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I fucked her, I'm sorry, but, I mean, she's so hot and everything, you know? Cade is like, wait a minute, bro, you're 20, she's 17, I hope you like jail, bro, it's like, well, hold on, pause, first of all, I hope all of you like jail, because the movie's already established, you're all going to jail, and I realize that Cade can't slow down from this death-defying predicament and be like, why are we caring about this when we're on the run, our lives are ruined, etc., etc.? Not to mention, the fucking people from Cemetery Wind held a gun to his daughter's skull, and and Kate Yeager, bro, is pissed that she was trying to get fucked? Well, dude, she was about to die. You should be 
Ah, just be a human. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The whole point is, I want to talk about Romeo and Juliet. Because Cade's like, bro, you're 20, she's 17. Irish Star Wars like, whoa, you know what, Cade Yeager? The screenwriters thought about that too. So in my wallet, I carry a copy of Texas's statute 72653, the Romeo and Juliet law, as we call it in, uh, you know, in non-legal terms. I'm not sure how the Romeo and Juliet law works, but according to Irish Star-Lord, if there is evidence of an existing consensual relationship before the parties age out of legal legal consension, then it's okay. Now, look. First of all, I'm not sure that's how Romeo and Juliet laws work. I'm not a lawyer. Please, please consult your local attorneys if you have questions and you feel you might be in breach. Okay, please. But I'm also not so naive to believe that Cases like this are always just so black and white or quote-unquote evil. You know, they, they do simplify it. It's like, well, you know, Dad, I was a sophomore. He was a senior. I was 15. He was 17. We dated, and then, you know, we broke up, but then we got back together or whatever. Because I can't sit here with a fucking straight face and be like, I didn't do the same thing because I did. Oh, God. What state do I live in? No, look, I... I mean, you're in high school, it's not, it's, you know, I was, it just happens all the time. And, and again, look, I'm not pleased. Just understand the context here. Like, I was a junior, I dated a girl who was a freshman, you know. We dated when I was a senior. I wasn't 18 yet. She, and then some magical day happened, and I turned 18, and that means our relationship is just null and void. And I don't know. Like, I'm not a fucking lawyer. I'm not an evil person. And here's the problem with this whole thing, all right? If if you're on the, the side of, oh, well, you know, that's a little more makes sense. Think of your own life, first of all, before you uh, demonize other people. And remember, I'm talking about consensual relationships, Oh, I'm opening this whole can of worms here. But think of it like this, okay? If for nothing else, I am, and science will back me up on this, girls, women, the female of the species is like 20 times more intelligent and mature than the male of the species, okay? So a 17-year-old guy dating a 15 or 16-year-old girl is basically a 28-year-old woman dating a 10-year-old boy mentally, okay? So let's be clear on that, all right? Johnny C. also has this crazy theory that if the fucking male species was unable to produce semen, that the females would find ways to reproduce independently of males in order to maintain the human race. Because the female body is an amazing, beautiful thing in terms of the fact that it can create and maintain life when it's wanted. I'm done! Fuck you, Transformers Age of Extinction. Anywho, Cade Yeager ended up getting a drone from this earlier cemetery wind attack. And he's all like, all right, you fucked my daughter, I'll fuck you later. But bro, I don't know if you saw when I was in NXT, but my character in NXT was a hacker. So I think I can hack the net and find out some stuff about who's trying to track us, bro. He does hack the net and learn some stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Optimus Prime comes back. And he's like, well, I think I've been off camera long enough to help out the budget. Let's go find my homies. So that's what Optimus was doing. He was saving money in the budget so we could meet up with the other Autobots. 
on the way to meeting up with the other Autobots, it's time for Optimus Prime to get a new paint job. He scans a semi-truck they drive past, and we get this scene of Optimus's old, decrepit shell peeling off, and the fucking blue and red flames come back, all right? This Optimus Prime's the gayest semi-truck I've ever seen, and I, I love it, first of all. I don't mean that as a bad thing. But Optimus Prime is absolutely a gay semi-truck, and it, it fucking rules. I feel like the culture has missed this aspect, but look at the flame decals he has, okay? And yes, I'm leaning into bad, late 90s, stereotypical comedy here, okay? I love it, though. That's my fucking narrative for stuff for uh, Optimus Prime. Bubblebee, I'm lonely since Ratchet died. He was my partner. What's that? You got a problem with that, Kate Yeager? Well, I knew there was something I didn't like about you, bro. And why do you call everybody bro? I'm a gay transformer. Deal with it. And we, we all should fucking deal with it. All right. But we go to find the homies. He makes the call and we meet the rest of the Autobots. All these Autobots, with the exception of one, are new characters we're meeting for the first time. We meet Hound, portrayed vocally by John Goodman, King Ralph himself. I love that scene in King Ralph where he's like, Oh, I don't want to be King Ralph, dude. And I don't know why he sounds like Hulk Hogan, but I guess he does, dude. He's like, You know what? I just met this stripper girl, and I'm King Ralph, dude. You want to go to Burger King? And King Ralph orders himself, like, two Whoppers, two fries, and two milkshakes. And he's like, and what do you want, stripper dude? <laughs> That's my favorite part of King Ralph, which I've only seen, like, once. Hound is sort of a roughneck dude. He's got a beard made of metal. He he smokes a metal robot cigar. He has a big fucking uh, minigun like Jesse Ventura has in Predator. Ah! I can't explain it. We meet Crosshairs, who's like a paratrooper. He's got a pretty sweet Gambit-esque robot transformer trench coat, so that's cool. On the flip side, he sounds like uh, fucking Mac from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the guy who's like, Hey, Jonesy, guess what? I'm working with the Russians. Let's go find some gold. He's like, oh, I'm cross as I am, and I think we're going to go on a little Autobot adventure, I do. We meet Drift, voiced by awesome Raz Al Ghul actor Ken Watanabe, also from Inception, also from Godzilla. Let them fight. From The Last Samurai, from a bunch of shit I've probably never seen. Now, Drift is a very unique slash stereotypical character. He's a samurai warrior. Now, what are the positives about Drift being a samurai warrior? Well, he's got some badass samurai swords. Kind of looks like Cloud Strife's Buster Sword for Final Fantasy VII, so I'll take it. That he uh, attaches to his back and they transform into helicopter blades, which makes sense, so that's cool. Also, uh, positives, Drift is a triple changer. Now, the movie doesn't address this, but I know this because I'm a nerd. If you've ever seen the awesome cartoon Transformers movie, you might know Springer, the uptight guy who hangs out with RC and is pissed off because he wants to be the fucking leader of the Autobots. Uh, Springer's kind of like the quarterback. 
that doesn't get into the school of his choice, and he absolutely wants to fuck RC and wants to make sure she doesn't fuck Hot Rod. But he's a triple changer. He can turn into a car, he can be a robot, or he can turn into a helicopter. Drift can do the same thing. He's a triple changer. You get Samurai Drift, his words, not mine. You, he can turn into a sweet blue car, or he can turn into a sweet blue helicopter. Now, the cons of Drift, because he's a samurai warrior Autobot, and he's voiced by the awesome Ken Watanabe, he's awfully luck talking like this, kind of like he's Mr. Fuji, insane things like, the flower blows in the wind when the lotus spring is full of water. Yes, it's an ancient proverb I learned, because for some reason, I am a fucking Japanese-Asian stereotype, even though I'm a robot from Cybertron. Mr. Fuji. All he's missing is samurai salt. And look, guys, when you're talking about movies of this nature, you have to deal in lowest common denominator stereotypes to mock what the movie is giving you, because that's all they're giving you. So when I'm making fun of it, please understand, I'm just using what they're giving me. It's wrong. That's the whole point of me making fun of it. And we meet Bumblebee! He still uses the radio to talk. God, that's so fucking stupid. He's kind of a beat-up yellow Camaro at this point, too, for no reason. And it seems like the Autobots have been infighting a little bit since there's been no leader present. Bumblebee fights Drift, Drift fights Hound, Crosshairs watches and jerks off, I think. And Prime's like, God damn it, shut the fuck up! They're killing Autobots. You're Autobots. I'm an Autobot. He was an NXT. He's Iris Star-Lord. And look at her tits. We need to figure out who's killing us. Cade's like, well, bro, I hacked the net while you guys were fighting. And look what I found, bro. I found some footage of this drone. It looks like this drone was present when Cemetery Wind killed legendary Autobot Leadfoot. Identified by Hound, who's like, oh man, that's Leadfoot. I guess that uh, fucking promotional tie-in they had with NASCAR ended and Leadfoot had to die. But they also killed Ratchet. Well, who made this drone? How did Cemetery Wind, the evil military corporation group, get a hold of this drone? It was made by a corporation named KSI. Well, bro, KSI is a company in Chicago, dude. They got, like, technological stuff and military stuff and other stuff, bro. Sh- should-, should we maybe go to Chicago, bro? I think we should go to Chicago, Kate Yeager. Tessa's like, guys, you're Transformers. You want to go to Chicago. Um, Transformers, Battle of Chicago, lots of dead people. You really think it's a good idea to go back to Chicago? All right, fine, we're going to Chicago. And they go to Chicago. Back somewhere else, Kelsey Grammer is talking to the Cybertronian assassin Lockdown. Remember, he's the independent. Remember the third-party ticket he is? Remember, Ventura Lockdown 24. Turns out, Kelsey Grammer's evil military organization is working with Lockdown. Now, I think the soldiers that work for Kelsey do it because it's the right thing for good American soldiers to do. But Kelsey Grammer is working with Lockdown so he can acquire the seed. Well, all you got to do is ask nicely, folks, and you can acquire my seed. It's really easy. Just give me like five minutes and a cell phone with an active internet connection. 
In Chicago, we head to the KSI building. We meet Godsend Stanley Tucci. He's playing Jeffrey Joyce. No, not the author of Ulysses. That's James Joyce. This is like a Steve Jobs tech magnate type character. And I absolutely believe he's Vince McMahon's favorite film character of all time because this dude is all about the branding. All right. Now, Stanley Tucci is a great actor. Stanley Tucci is a godsend for this movie because he is chewing the scenery and just acting a fool and just really leaning into it and being as ridiculous as possible, but in a good way, all right? Stanley Tucci has been asked to do ridiculous things, and he's doing ridiculous things while eating the scenery around him and making everybody else look awful, and he's a boss while doing it. Not to mention he's got some sweet suits in this thing as well. But he's like, he walks into the KSI building, he's like, what's that noise that plays when you walk in? That's not the brand recognition that we want when you people walk into the KSI building. They need to hear the future. That's not the future. And yeah, it's stupid, but again, I kind of love it because he's, he's basically playing Vince McMahon without the steroids and the sexual uh, harassment and, uh, you know, the receding hairline because Tucci's just going, just, you know, bald here. He looks great. And the suits. Suits are way better than Vince's suits. Now, the model geologist is here from earlier. I guess Stanley sent her to the Arctic. She's like, oh, God, guess what I found out? Stanley's like, I don't, doesn't fucking matter what you found out. Guess what we've been doing while you've been gone? So this is where Johnny C is just going to simplify the plot of this movie for all of you, unless it's too fucking late. Because the movie is going to give us stuff in piecemeal. And it's just, it's, uh, who could care, right? So what's the whole spine of this movie about, okay? After Chicago, KSI, this evil corporation, got the bodies of all the dead Transformers. They dissected them. And discovered they're made of a precious metal, obviously. Now, here's the kicker, though. A metal that's here on Earth found very sparsely. There's not a lot of it left. There's a little bit of it. But this metal was found a long time ago. And it's worthless. We can't use it for anything. But guess what? Stanley Tucci, using magic, I guess, unlocked the genome of the Transformers. (laughs) There's a sentence you don't expect to say every day. And when he unlocked the genome of the Transformers, this rare metal that's also on Earth that's worthless is the same metal! Well, that's interesting. And the metal is found on Earth and sparse because in the beginning, those fucking aliens seeded the planet and took most of it to make the Transformers. There's a little bit left, though. Okay? Now, Stanley's company calls this metal Transformium. KSI, the evil corporation, has harvested most of the Transformium that's left here on Earth, but the model, not Rick Martell, the saucy girl, is looking for the rest of it when she found the dinosaur, okay? KSI has used the Transformium that's left on Earth with the corpses of the dead Decepticons that they've melted down. They've used this Transformium to start making their own Transformers, complete with their own branding, brand recognition, and commercials will get there. Stanley Tucci is working with Kelsey Grammer. So here's the master plan, starting at the top, going to the bottom. Oh, God. I'm sorry. The aliens that made the Transformers that seeded the Earth want Optimus Prime 
back. They sent Lockdown to Earth to get Optimus Prime. Okay, kind of simple. Lockdown asks Kelsey Grammer for help to find Optimus Prime. Kelsey Grammer's like, oh, I don't know, Lockdown, that sounds bullshit. It sounds like a strange combination, like mixing tossed salad with scrambled eggs. Oh, hold on, my brother Niles is calling me. Hello! What is it, Niles? I don't care what Dad's doing, I've got to talk to Lockdown. Anywho, where was I? Lockdown needs Kelsey's help. Kelsey's like, okay, tell you what, even though that sounds ludicrous, I'll help you if you give me a seed bomb that we can use to make more Transformium. Because Kelsey Grammer is working with Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci is running out of Transformium, so if Kelsey gives him the seed bomb, they'll find a place on Earth to seed, They'll get more Transformium. Stanley Tucci will make Kelsey Grammer rich. And KSI can make more Transformers. And they can rule the world, I guess. Well, no, it's not. They don't want to rule the world. They want to rule the world of business, technological in- intervention, uh, uh, innovation, uh, military contracts. They want to make Transformers they can sell to the military. So, giant epic space plot just boils down to capitalism. Spaceballs 2, the search for more money, if you will. Um, So KSI is the big bad, but are they? I don't fucking know. But KSI has had enough Transformium to make a couple of their own Transformers. They've got Stinger, who's the new Bumblebee, but better. They also melted down Megatron's body and uploaded Megatron's brain into... Galvatron! Now, I'll give the movie a little bit of credit. They're stroking my nerd dick here, alright? Because, of course, in the Transformers animated movie, when Megatron dies, Unicron transforms his body into Galvatron, voiced by Leonard Nimoy, who voiced Sentinel Prime in Transformers 3. So it's this nice keep-it-all-in-the-family sort of thing we got going on here. Stanley's pissed, though, because they've designed Galvatron to basically look like Optimus Prime. He turns into a semi-truck and everything, because, you know, branding. You know, if if John Cena goes down, we need a new John Cena. Let's get that Roman fellow, make him John Cena. But for some reason, Galvatron's body keeps basically turning into Megatron. Hmm, I wonder why. And they also wasted some of the Transformium to make guns and the the pill boombox that was a big hit back in the day. You know, because you got to sell some shit. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If not, forget I said that. Back to the Transformers being the Autobots. Well, they're too big and tall to get into the KSI building, so the humans will help them figure out what's going on, and they also want to clear their names. Cade hacks the net some more. Irish Star-Lord and the daughter go to, like, a Walgreens to steal a bunch of supplies, including some protein powder, bro, because you got to keep that body. You never know when Hunt is going to call. I Sure, I might be a big wanted fugitive, but they might want me back in NXT sooner than later, bro. They get some binoculars too, and I believe they also get a they steal a push-up bra because for the rest of this movie, I mean, Michael Bay's responsible for this. I'm just reporting it back to you, but there's a she does a bit of a wardrobe change, but it's the movie. It's not me. It's the movie. Cade and Irish Star Lord figure out that they can break into KSI because KSI brings in shipments of cars for scanning. You know, so they can teach their Transformers to turn into different shit. It makes so much sense, it's almost too 
fucking easy for this movie. They almost get caught, though, by Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci is meeting with his Chinese counterpart, okay? <sighs> China's a big part. Let's just... Let's just they, there's a KSI factory in China where they make transforming. They use they harvest transforming. Okay, so this this Chinese gal uh, is going to be a big part of the movie later. But this movie, let's just pause and talk about Hollywood for a second. There is nothing wrong with making movies with the intent of making money. You can make artful films that make money. You can make fun films that make money. You can just make movies for money to finance other projects. Uh, It's okay. Like, it's really okay. You should want as many people on this planet to see your movies as possible. There are a lot of people in China. You should want to release your films in China to not only make money, but also to entertain people because human beings need entertainment. I don't care where you live. Now... I, being Johnny C, have a little bit of a problem with China censoring films before they will play them. That's not cool. Alright? But this movie, being Transformers 4, is sucking the China dick. And that's fine! But they're really like, hey, please release this movie in China. We will do everything we can to secure the release. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with living in a certain part of the planet. All right, you live where you're born, you can't fucking help it. Nothing great about being born in America versus being born in China. It is what it is. I got nothing against China. I don't like censorship. That's my problem. Uh, but we'll get to China a little bit later. Stanley Tucci uh, yells at Kate Yeager and Irish Star Lord because they've got Bumblebee in the fucking building and he's transformed into a car. It's an old car. We don't want these junk cars in here, damn it. We want a unique brand of Transformer based entertainment. And he leaves. Bumblebee sees a model of Stinger, sees a commercial for Stinger. The commercial's like, Stinger, Bumblebee, but pretty much better, if you don't mind what I'm saying. Bumblebee gets pissed. He starts to talk out of the radio. They have the audacity to pull a quote of John Goodman from the Big Lebowski. Irish Star-Lord's like, oh, Bumblebee, you better calm down. I'm perfectly calm, dude. Oh, it makes me furious. Bumblebee makes a scene, breaks the stinger like model, but not stinger. Cade goes to talk to the the hot geologist. He's like, bro, they're killing Autobots. Did you know that? She's like, no, they're killing Decepticons. He's like, no, bro, they got a soul and everything. They're killing Autobots. Optimus Prime sees footage playing in the KSI building of Ratchet getting blown to pieces. He loses it. He's like, that's my husband! And folks... The Autobots invade the KSI building themselves. Luckily, this building has ceilings that are ridiculously tall, so the Transformers can stand up in them. We do get a cool shot of Drift transforming into a helicopter inside the building and flying Bumblebee to the top floor. That's kind of cool. They spare the humans but blow up the KSI labs and all the shit. Stanley Tucci figures this out, and he's like, Hey, what are you Autobots doing? Bad Autobots! We don't need you Autobots anymore. We can replace you. Hound, of all people, is like, Oh, that hurts. That hurts my feelings. Why, Hound? Ten minutes ago, Hound was like, We should just kill the humans, bro, and take this planet for ourselves. Like, why does this character care? Optimus has his heart broken, and he's like, "Mm, Okay, Autobots, 
Let's go. And the Autobots leave. Kelsey Grammer's like, this is our chance, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Niles! I'll call you back later. Stanley, let's go get Optimus Prime so we can get the seed. So he orders KSI and Stanley Tucci to send Stinger and Galvatron in pursuit. There's a big chase scene that results in a lot of dead, innocent people. KSI can't control the Galvatron Transformer. He goes into business for himself. We get a decent scene of the Transformers doing the thing where they like have the humans inside them and they transform during a big explosion and the humans go flying and they rescue them in their hands. But I gotta tell you, man, I'm pretty sure the Transformers would have crushed all these humans by rescuing them, but that's fine. Finally, after the, about five minutes of this chase scene, we're in a farmland. Like, I know we're in Chicago, Illinois. I live near Illinois. I know there's a lot of flat farmland, but there were, we're, we're in a farmland. Galvatron and Optimus Prime finally fight. This is what I paid for, right? Uh, immediately, immediately upon Galvatron attacking Prime, Prime's like, Galvatron, you have no soul. Well, how does he know his name? How does he know he has no soul? Like, that's just, the movie just takes shortcuts. They just use what we know. It's like Optimus Prime knows that this is Galvatron because we know it's Galvatron. They fight. It's decent. Optimus Prime pulls out a sword, and guess what happens? We cut to Cade's daughter so we can get some down blouse shots. It's the exact shit I was complaining about. Eventually, Optimus Prime takes a rocket to the chest. It's lockdown! Lockdown is here! Galvatron bails. I should mention... The KSI Transformers, Galvatron, and Stinger, they transform differently from regular Transformers. Transformers have to, like, transform their bodies in place. Like, I'm standing up, now I'm going to stand here and turn into a car and drive away. The KSI Transformers can basically blow their body apart, and, like, all of the individual pieces can reform. It's, it, like, I'm glad that the actual Transformers don't do this, but to create, like, a subgroup of Transformers that do this is kind of a cool idea. It looks fine. I got no problems with it. It's a good way to be like, you know what? These ain't your daddy's Transformers, okay? Uh, but, I mean, in all seriousness, I have no problem with it. So, Galvatron bails. Lockdown fucking shoots Prime. Lockdown finally has Optimus Prime in his grasp. He's like, oh, you Autobots, Decepticons, all you do is fight. You never think about the third-party candidates. Do you think you were born, Optimus Prime? You were made, and your daddy wants you back. Optimus is like, my daddy? Ratchet? He's alive? Lockdown's like, oh no, never mind. You, you just come on my big spaceship. Because Lockdown has a huge spaceship. Like a giant flying prison, if you will. Optimus Prime is passed out on a car in the middle of the street. Cade's uh, daughter is trapped in the car. She can't get out. Lockdown throws a giant net onto the car and Optimus Prime. He lifts the net, Prime, and the car into his spaceship. We get some ridiculous shots in slow motion of NXT hopeful Kate Yeager trying to rescue his daughter. When he realizes he can't, we get some slow motion falling of Kate Yeager. We get Kate Yeager screaming in slow motion. And then we get him punching the ground in rage in slow motion. Lockdown has Optimus Prime. Lockdown has Tessa. Stanley Tucci is freaking out that his Transformers won't listen to him. Kelsey Grammer's like, oh shit, a lot of people are dead, Niles. Normally, this is where we would take a break and go to Act 3, the big finale. But now, it's time to go to Act 3, the second middle. 
because there's still one hour and ten minutes left in this fucking movie. And now that Optimus Prime is safely on lockdown ship, lockdown, I feel like he lets his guard down a little bit because he starts giving us a little bit of exposition. He's like, hey, Prime, you like my ship? Of course you do. It was built for all of you knights. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Let's stay with this. No! We go to Tessa, who's fucking fighting some hentai tentacle monsters that are trying to fuck her. Oh, Michael, damn you. I've rounded up all the knights, all you rebel scum. You should have done what you were told. But now, your creators want to wipe the chessboard clean. But first, before we can learn about that, we need to cut away to see Lockdown give the seed to Kelsey Grammer. And you know what? Well, it's Kelsey Grammer's right hand, man. And that's the whole problem with this fucking movie. The movie just wants to set up the climax. It... Like, I don't understand how they don't get that we want the robots at this point in time. This is the fourth movie. You know, A Nightmare on Elm Street, by the time they got to the fourth movie, the people in charge got it. They just want to see Freddy, man. They don't care what happens. I get that they don't want to spend a lot of money animating these things, okay? But... We need some sort of information from Lockdown. He's really dropping all the information. The Knights? The Rebel Scum? What is this? I I thought there was just like a civil war between Autobots and Decepticons. God help me. I'm starting to get interested. But uh, Lockdown locks up Prime with what he calls the other Rebel Knights. So I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. And, and, you know, Lockdown, he's true to his word. He gives the seed to his homies. He's like, well, here's the seed. I hope you fuckers are ready for it. I'm leaving. See you later. The Autobots and humans manage to get on board. Ridiculous moment, okay? Irish Star-Lord's like, I'm not here to help you get your daughter. You're here to help me get my girlfriend. Oh, this script. But, you know, flip side of that, as we're infiltrating the ship, we see Lockdown get to... Lockdown, like, goes to the bridge of his jet or ship. You know, and he gets in the captain's chair, and he's got some robot pet dogs that he pets, like, Oh, hello. I'm Captain Lockdown now. Oh, man. Captain's log. Lockdown's log. Once it was revealed that Jesse Ventura wasn't a Navy SEAL, we could no longer represent the third party, so I'm heading to space in search of robot vagina. Now lockdown sounds like Captain Jean-Luc Picard for some reason. Oh well. The Autobots and fucking NXT superstars infiltrate the ship, and Drift, you remember Drift, Ken Watanabe? He's like, we have the element of surprise. We must use a violence as a last resort. He gets attacked by a tentacle monster. I'll kill you! I'll kill you! Oh, oh. You're fucking hilarious, movie. Drift lets us know we've got 10 minutes until the ship takes off. It's 1 hour, 30 minutes, and 42 seconds into this fucker, so let's dance. Crosshair pulls the anchors. Hey, you scratched my anchor! But literally, like, he pulls the anchor switch, and all these ropes shoot anchors into various skyscrapers in Chicago, like the Sears Tower, to stop the ship, so that that seems wise. Cade wanders into a room where there's, like, all these swords and shit stuck into stone. A prequel to the last night. But he, he, like, leans on the sword on accident, and he's like, oops! And all this fucking armory opens. They find some goddamn gun blades, which would be any Final Fantasy fan's wet dream. But yet still, I'm like, eh. But they have weapons now. And again, this is the problem. This entire infiltration of Lockdown Ship is just the humans. 
We're the robots! I mean, and what's up with this ship? We see, well, we talked about Captain Lockdown's robot dogs. There are some monsters straight out of Resident Evil with giant tongues that lick Tessa and she has to cut the tongue. What is this? Lockdown has, like, stormtroopers? <laughs> These stormtroopers attack Cade, and he's like, Hey, I don't know if you robots notice or not, but I got a gun blade, and I almost won the NXT North American Championship in your house, bro. So let's go! And he starts shooting him. At one point, I think they run into Droidica from Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh, no one can defeat Droidica! Anywho... Uh, Star-Lord and, uh, Cade, they find Tessa, and she's like, Irish Star-Lord, you saved me! And, of course, Star-Lord got into all sorts of shenanigans during the rescue and didn't actually save. The Autobots find Prime in the jail. Uh, Hound takes a moment to look at an alien vagina. It spits on him, and he says, I got shizzled! And so he shoots this vagina and says, All right, bitch! Hound, man, he's, he's, whoo, he's a hoot! Uh, of course, when Drift finds Optimus Prime, he says, Sensei is here. Autobots, this night ship separates. Much like the Enterprise, mind you. Captain Lockdown. Uh, so Hound goes to separate the ship. And remember those anchors we talked about? Well, they formed a space sci-fi version of the rope bridge from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The three humans... Walk across these ropes. It's ridiculous. They're like four billion feet in the air. Robot dogs chase them. Uh, it looks like the end of the day. I mean, of course, they have an argument. Mother Christ. Now, you listen to me, Donna. You listen to me. I'm a former NXT North American champion. You cross, you cross the ropes. Come on. I'm an inventor. You can trust me. Oh, darling, I think you got to cross the ropes. Come on, please. Oh, I need to touch you. Uh, that's it's inappropriate, Irish Star Lord, but nonetheless. When all hope is lost, Bumblebee is here. He blows the shit out of these dogs. You know, I almost forgot the Transformers were in this. And then, uh, shades of uh, AEW. Oh, 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 No, there's not a sick Tarzan boy needle drop. But Bumblebee swings on these anchors like Tarzan. He catches the humans as they fall. Um, we slide into the Sears Tower, and these fuckers still slide down quite a bit. Uh, again, how are these humans not concussed, or at least paralyzed, from the G-forces? The, uh, Crosshairs. You remember Crosshairs? Hey, it's me, Crosshairs. Uh, uh, anyone find any treasure? For some reason, I sound like this. Uh, Crosshairs shows up with the ship, and, you know, I will admit... Uh, right as we head off to rescue, by the way, it's one hour, 40 minutes, and 42 seconds, so God help me, they stuck to the 10-minute timer. Not a lot of movies do that, so I'll give you a little bit of props. It's been exactly 10 fucking minutes. Um, si Sideways. I always want to call him Sideways, because there's an Autobot named Sideways in some of the other sequels. He's like a tiny Autobot that <laughs> that's played by James Remar, <laughs> the dude that replaced Christopher Lambert as, Ra as Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Hello! I am no longer Christopher Lambert. I'm now James Remar. I hope you won't notice. Um, but there's a pretty cool Star Wars-esque, Star Wars light ship chase with dogfights because uh, some of these stormtroopers have jets as well. They're, they're you know, chasing crosshairs. Crosshairs is like, hey, I hope you humans can learn how to fire this gun. I'm going to go lay some hate. And he jumps out of the ship, his fucking robot trench coat floating in the air. He parachutes, and I will admit... Get some pretty good slow-motion kills on some robots. We fly past lots of American flags. We crash into a Bud Light truck. There's so much Bud Light. It's everywhere. 
It's embarrassing, but yet I'm also impressed that they were willing to go this far with the blatant consumerism. Of course, the ship crash wrecks a dude's car. This snotty dude, he's like, I hope you have insurance, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's like, bro, it's a spaceship. How do you get an insurance spaceship? Or spaceship insurance? I don't know. You know how to do it. You know how to get spaceship insurance. You better tell me, bro. And then he opens a Bud Light, takes a big swig. He's like, Bud Light, bro, you should drink it. And, and we're off. It is what it is. What do you want from me? Oh, he also is like, sweetie, hand me my alien gun so I can shoot this fucking guy. The prison ship complete saucer separation. Captain Picard, or Captain Lockdown's like, well, it's time to begin this journey with all these prisoners. Uh, hopefully they're all still back down. Of course they're all still back down. I'm Captain Lockdown. No one could defeat me. Dogs, press on. Let's fly into space. And he flies into space. So Hound, Drift, uh, Optimus, they've got this prison ship, basically, with all these people locked up in it. So yeah, I mean, pretty sweet. Stanley Tucci tells Kelsey Grammer to take the seed to China. We're moving operations to China. Well, how meta, Stanley. Uh, Yu Ming, who is the Chinese gal that we met earlier uh, in this scene, she calls Stanley Tucci, Joshua Joyce, of course, she calls him Mr. Joshua. You can't do that. All right, there's already a Mr. Joshua, and it's Gary Busey and Lethal Weapon 2. There's only one. You can't repeat Mr. Joshua. You know, it's like if I'm watching some movie, uh, some action movie, and someone's like, Hello, Mr. McClane. Like, no! There's only one John McClane. Um, Stanley Tucci's freaking out that Galvatron spoke. There's a flaw in my prototype. I need to know why, damn it. We regroup at a train yard. That being the heroes. Uh, Optimus Prime, out of nowhere. I sense the presence of Megatron. <laughs> All right. Oh, and you know what? I forgot to mention, when they went to KSI, they rescued this little annoying Transformer named Brains, who's got a Brooklyn accent. You know, he's like, hey, I'm a fast-talking Brooklyn guy. Hey, what do you want from me? Uh, Brains lets us know that Galvatron is indeed a reborn Megatron. Uh, Brains was responsible for transferring the data from Megatron's head to Galvatron's body. And he's like, man, they forced me to work for him. No union, no benefits. It was awful. But Megatron's brain is actually... Who gave Stanley Tucci the computer data needed to unlock the Transformium genome? Megatron, or Galvatron, is the one that truly wants the seed. And Tessa's like, I saw those nasty guys get it from lockdown on his ship. Optimus is like, well, Kitzer's 65 million years ago. And we flash back to the dinosaurs, and guess what? The little shitty animated CGI dinosaur from the opening scene, he made it! Sure, he hid under the fucking roboticized corpses of his brethren, but he's still alive. Ah, one more for the good guys. Uh, but Megatron wants to seed the Earth and build a new Decepticon army. Well, bro, if that's true, we gotta go get that seed! Act 4! Once upon a time in China! Stanley Tucci's in China, and he lets us know that he's going to detonate the seeds safely in the Mongolian desert and make enough Transformium for the next 100 years. Uh, in this train yard, our heroes take a snooze. Missed opportunity to introduce Astro Train, by the way. Astro Train, take off! Cade and Irish Star-Lord kind of share a moment with one another. Maybe they're willing to put their differences behind them to save the planet. I don't know. Drift intercepts word that Joyce is in China. I'm pretty sure Drift is the only, 
want to intercept the transmission because Ken Watanabe is the only actor they trusted to say the name of this Chinese city correctly. And we don't want to insult the Chinese because they're desperately counting on the dollars. Cade calls Stanley Tucci now on his cell phone. How? How did he get Stan? I mean, this Joshua Joyce guy is supposed to be like Steve Jobs. You just Google him and get his phone number? How did he get this? He's like, bro. I don't think you know what's really happening here. Galvatron's hacked you, bro. Galvatron's going to get the seed. I, I, don't, I don't know if you notice about me, but I've played a hacker on NXT for like two weeks. And I'm telling you, bro, he's going to make the face. He, he's going to turn heel on you, bro. That's what you really need to understand. Joyce is like, no, that wouldn't happen to Galvatron. He's my, we're homies. He doesn't say that, but I have expect him to based on this script. But then, Kate Yeager, NXT hopeful, Mark Wahlberg, hero of the Transformers saga drops this dynamite line that is really encompassing the entire Transformers saga in a nutshell. You don't understand. Galvatron's going to use that seed. You don't want him to do that. I know. I know you've got a conscience because you're an inventor just like me. Damn. Damn. That's hardcore. The whole time this fucking nonsense is happening, this slow, I think it's Linkin Park songs played in the back. Oh, no, no, it's Imagine Dragons, I think. And it's building to a crescendo, and Prime's like, we will help you, but after that, we are done helping humans. And then Imagine Dragons enter the scene. No one to save you now! Yeah. In China, there's a discreet seed meeting at KSI China Towers. Kelsey Grammer and his right-hand man are here. They made it to China. And they're like, here's the seed. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Niles, I did it. Uh, but Stanley is sort of staring off into space like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, that inventor guy really made me think. How do I want to go down in history? You know, he's an inventor after all. He's an inventor. And Kelsey's like, this is beautiful. We're going to make a fully roboted robot roboticized U.S. military force. No American will ever die in war again. And I just, for a second there, I'm like, oh, Michael Bay's really saying something here, building the U.S. military in China? Oh, man. But then I'm like, no, Michael Bay doesn't know what's going on here. He's just he's just making sure the sun sets in the background for every scene. But Stanley has his doubts. And he's like, well, no, it's not that I don't want the seed. I just don't know if I want the seed right now. And Kelsey's like, well, damn it, someone's got to take my seed. Optimus volunteers, Kelsey, I'm here. Spray me with your seed. I mean, he could have. We don't know it didn't happen. But again, I think I digress. At this point in the narrative, Kelsey Grammer and Stanley Tucci start arguing about the merits of their boyhood dreams, shades of Shawn Michaels. Stanley Tucci's like, you know, I invented this company when I was a boy, and my dream was to change the world. Was he one of the Royal Tenenbaums? The, the, the Tenenbaum family was thrown aside from years of fucking... You know what? I don't even know what he says. But Kelsey Grammer is like, Oh yeah, well I wanted to change the world and protect freedom for all Americans when I was a child. And I don't know why I sound like this, but I do. And you made billions of dollars and I served the government. Where's my money? Galvatron wakes up. He does say, I am Galvatron. And you know what? I'm 50-50 on this because Hugo Weaving is gone. But Hugo Weaving don't give a fuck. Hugo Weaving, of course, Agent Smith, 
the Red Skull, he doesn't care about the shit that he does, and that's fine. Hey, take the money and run. But he's usually Megatron. Here we have Frank Welker as Megatron, the man who famously voiced Megatron in most Transformers properties when I was a youth. But you know what? He's really old-sounding. A purple energy haze surrounds Galvatron, and I guess he takes control of all the KSI Transformers. There's like 50 of them, we learn later. Okay, find my seed, he yells. What? Everybody just is trying to get off here, okay? And, and hey, that's fine, but just fucking in private, all right? Uh, Stanley Tucci has Yu Ming get Darcy in a car. He's like, let's get the hell out of here! And he's dragging the seed, because it's in a giant bag. It looks like a fucking body bag that he's got a corpse in. There's chaos everywhere, and Yu Ming's like, I know, let's go to Hong Kong! And they start to drive to Hong Kong. Uh, but they're like, Stanley, what's in the bag? He's like, oh, I have a bomb in the bag. A ba? No, not a ba, a bomb! That's an airplane too joke! Uh, Our heroes are flying to Hong Kong, I guess. Uh, Optimus Prime is a little down on humans. Well, you know, Katie Yeager, I'm I'm getting very tired of humans. They killed Ratchet, as we've spoken of at great detail. And now, Jesse the Body Ventura has selected Lockdown to be his running mate. I think it's a bad decision. I was hoping that perhaps The Rock would become the President of the United States. What do you think, Katie Yeager? I think we all make mistakes, Optimus, bro. And sometimes you gotta find the treasure in the junk. You are wise beyond your years, Kate Yeager. I hope you get that call from Triple H and get back into NXT. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong... Uh, oh my god, wait, Hong Kong? Is Chun-Li here? Searching for Gen? Uh, I don't know. But we get a chase scene, basically, because uh, Kelsey Grammer has GPS on Staley Tucci. They track him to Hong Kong. Him and his number two are in a car, and they're chasing Stanley Tucci, who's holding on to Yu Ming on a motorcycle. And he's like, oh my god, turn, turn, turn. You're very attractive. Turn, 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 turn there. Oh, you smell delicious. <laughs> Transformers, ladies and gentlemen. The chase ends in a horny wreck because the motorcycle wrecks, but they're okay. And Stanley again is like, I love you. Will you fuck me? Stanley Tucci, though, throughout this entire final sequence is is slowly losing it as we go along. And God love you, Stan, because again, he's just chewing the scenery. Uh, he wants to figure out how far the blast radius is of the uh, seed. So there's a gag where he texts the guy that he works with at KSI. And uh, the dude's plan with the Transformium, he makes a My Little Pony. Oh, oh reference. Uh, but I like that when he gets the text, his ringer is... Uh, but the guy texts him back, it has the range of a tactical nuke. So I think that's supposed to make us worry about what could happen if the wrong hands get a hold of my seed. Let me tell you something, folks. There are no wrong hands when it comes to my seed. All are welcome. Um, some of the troops of Cemetery Wind have followed to Hong Kong. They chase Yu Ming and uh, Stanley Tucci to an elevator where Stanley is pontificating randomness to a stranger in the elevator who's carrying some groceries. All right. This dude stands out like a sore thumb. If he's someone famous from Chinese cinema, I apologize, but I just don't know. Speaking of Chun-Li, though, Yu Ming saves Stanley doing some broom-foo shades of Chun-Li, but the tables turn. 
the upper hand is given to Cemetery Wind, and this elevator guy throws down his groceries and just beats the shit out of Cemetery Wind. Does everyone know martial arts in Hong Kong? Is that what Michael is saying? Stanley escapes to the roof. He steals some milk out of a refrigerator and sucks on it. Like a, it's a little milk box. Like a juice box. And, you know, God, I, I, I don't want to harp on little details. I promised I wouldn't. But Stan is hilarious here just sucking on this milk. Now, it's the dumbest idea in the world. But he makes it work because he's fucking Stanley Tucci. But everyone is now here. All right. The, the jet of the Autobots arrive. But before everybody can get off of the ship, the uh, Galvatron and the bad guys shoot it down. So only Hound, Bumblebee, and the humans are here in this sort of apartment complex area of Hong Kong. I don't know what else to call it. I've never been to Hong Kong. The ship that they were flying in crashes. Now, it takes quite a turn because the ship it takes a while to crash. And it goes uh, like out of the city into a forest, into some mountains. I know nothing about the topography of Hong Kong, so if this is possible, sure. But Drift, Crosshairs, and Optimus Prime are stranded from the battle. (laughs) Well, it's not a rope, but I got my foot caught in this time. My ship got caught down. That's going to look better in the report. Actually, do you have access to the Battle of Chicago report? Ah, white out, transform! Let me just white this out with my finger... Optimus Prime got shot down from a ship. He did not, under any circumstances, get his foot caught in a rope. I think that's going to look better in the final report. I appreciate these results. The Decepticons surround this apartment complex section of Hong Kong, and there's just a big old fight. Uh, Kelsey Grammer sends his number two after the humans, and we basically end up with Cade versus number two in some sort of an NXT tryout match. Uh... Another great Stanley Tucci moment here. He's running with the bomb with uh, Star-Lord and the girl. And uh, he's like, move, move, move. I got a bomb. I got a bomb. Alien bomb. Hi, kids. Because he runs past some kids. Then there's some old women who are talking on cell phones. And they get stuck behind him. And he goes, how the fuck do you say get out of the way of Chinese? I told you, this guy's a godsend for this movie. Now, let's talk about spatial relationships for a moment. Because... There's supposed to be 50 Decepticons out here fighting Hound and Bumblebee, but when Cade is fighting number two on the rooftops, I got nothing. I don't see nary a giant fucking robot anywhere. And like I said, Galvatron has 50 of them. These fuckers end up fighting into a house. Uh, Cade is about to die because number two has a knife, but luckily... One of the fucking teenagers that lives in the house is some sort of a Hong Kong football star because there's a a framed picture of this Hong Kong youth throwing a football and next to it is a football. And do you remember back in that movie theater? All the way back in Act 1 when fucking, uh, I was calling him Garrison Cade. Cade Yeager and fucking T.J. Miller were throwing the football. Well, Cade throws the football into the face of number two. He spears him through a window and number two falls to his death. It's a rare moment in a movie where we actually see the impact of the fall as Kelsey Kramer watches number two land and is like, oh, Niles. But he is freaking out. He gets a page from Lockdown, however, and Kelsey Grammer's like, oh, knock, Lockdown, good. You're just the man I was looking for. Get over here. And so Lockdown is on his way. All the humans are together now, uh, but we're missing a couple of giant robots, so we head to the nature reserve where the fucking ship crashed. 
Optimus Prime's finishing up filing his reports. And you know what? As Optimus Prime is to do, he gives a speech. He's like, we need legendary heroes. Um, he goes into the ship, pulls the, a giant sword out of a stone, and says, recognize one of your knights. He opens the prison cells and says, the legend exists. I'm completely confused here. But it's okay, because I'm going with it. Now, the he, Prime talks to these legendary warriors, and he says, Ahem, Legendary warriors, the powers that created us now want us extinguished. Stand with us, or against me. And folks, these legendary warriors who have been in this fucking jail cell on lockdown special night ship are indeed the Dinobots! Why are they the Dinobots? Probably because Michael Bay promised the nerds that he would bring the Dinobots in, and this was the compromise. A Dinobot, which is never identified by name, but I guess is Grimlock, because he transforms into a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex, and he is huge compared to Optimus Prime. Prime is like, let me lead you! And this is when Grimlock transforms into his dinosaur form and spits some fire. I'm not one for stupid cutaways, but there's a good one here. When he transforms, Crosshairs goes, Oh no, I'll never find any gold now. Actually, he just says, oh no. But Trift actually says, Hmm, I was expecting a giant car. Which, you know, it's a little obvious and on the nose, but I laughed. I laughed. Optimus Prime, I guess, is, I guess is he trying to tame the beast? Is he trying to, like, like you do, like when you break in a new horse? I don't know, I've never had an old horse or a new horse, but Grimlock charges at Prime, and he yells, We're trying to give you freedom! And then just smacks the shit out of his face with a shield, shades of Captain America. Get this man a shield. Um, Optimus Prime then mounts a Grimlock. All the Dinobots transform. I guess they've been subdued, and will, they've been cucked here by Optimus Prime. <laughs> ah, Ratchet's dead. Now you belong to me. All the Dinobots transform, and we head back to the city. Now, Hound is knee-deep in the shit. <laughs> hey, Hound, were you in the shit? Yeah, yeah, I was in the shit. Uh, you know, Rushmore. Um, but it's great, though, because Kate Yeager's helping him out. And Hound is narrating this battle. He's like, oh, over there. Shoot. There you go. Great shot, Kate. Your father helped me like that, too. Do a barrel roll. But then Hound is out of ammo, and we get some slow music. Like, oh, it's been an honor to... No, wait, that's Optimus. It's been an honor to serve with you, Kate Yeager. I think we're dead now. But the Dinobots arrive! It's chaos and anarchy. We get all kinds of hero shots. There is a tremendous moment where Optimus Prime rides into the frame and yells, I'll kill you! Which is, oh, we talked about how Peter Cullen is old. It, it just He speaks in random sound bites, kind of like Jim Ross does at this point. But his, like, fucking Marlboro Red, I'll kill you! It's tremendous. He As he says, I'll kill you, he swipes the sword, a Decepticon goes flying in the air, and wouldn't you know, Grimlock just eats him. It's fun. I'll admit, I'll admit, I'll admit it, it's fun. Now, I know the pterodactyl Dinobot as Swoop. Tell Swoop good part, cop! Tell Swoop good part! Here, he's some sort of a two-headed dragon. All right. Bumblebee, 
and his arch nemesis Stinger ride swoop around Hong Kong? Okay. Uh, Stinger, though, meets his demise when Bumblebee throws him into a Victoria's Secret bus, rips off his head, and then feeds it to Swoop. All right. Everybody gets a fun moment to shine, but I think Drift's is my absolute favorite. Drift is on the is on the tracks of an elevated train. He does a cartwheel. He slices he slices a, a Decepticon vertically, and he uh, splits in two. He then tosses his Buster Sword across the train tracks into another Decepticon, and it you know lands straight in the dude's heart. And then he poses like he just did a fatality. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it looks like it's time to start the final level in this fucking fight that has devolved into a video game. Because Optimus Prime is like, alright kids, it's time to start the final battle. Get the seed to the hills, use that car, I'll cover you. You know, kind of like Hound was earlier. These, That's the problem with the Transformers movie franchise in a nutshell. The Transformers are all NPCs and you have to play as the humans. But folks... This is the end of Act 4, because surprise, we have a fifth act. Let's say Act 5, Thratchet. I mean, it's the final battle, so let's do it. Star-Lord is finally ready to contribute. He's like, all right, I'm driving. Let's get the seed out of here. Um, it turns out, though, that the seed is a tracking beacon, and Lockdown has arrived. And oh my god, Lockdown ship has what can be only described as a suckhole. Shades of Unicron. A giant vagina mouth opens on Lockdown Ship, and it's kind of like a magnet. He starts sucking metal up into it and destroying it. We take a moment to check with the Chinese government. They're like, we will protect Hong Kong at all costs. Mm-hmm. Everybody eventually gets caught in the car. They're about to get sucked up into Unicron's anus. Sure, I'll leave that in. Uh, but everybody gets out of the final battle okay here. The final carb thing okay. Uh, Tessa's like, Shane, are you okay? That's actually Star-Lord's name. And Shane's like, yeah, I'm good. Because he got thrown from the car. Tessa then yells, Bumblebee! Because I guess they need his help. And what was Bumblebee doing? He was just riding swoop around town for fun. I mean, it did look like fun. But he gets shot down. Prime and the Dinobots get sucked up. Prime literally turns around, fires into this mouth vagina twice, and it explodes. Why didn't you do that earlier? Why did I have to watch 15 minutes of people getting sucked up into the ship, including some pop star who almost died? Big moment, though. Huge moment. This is what we're talking about. It's time for the Autobots to get the bomb or the seed out of the city. But Kate Yeager has... Something to prove. He's been waiting for years to get the call from Triple H to get back into NXT. So he's going to go help Optimus Prime. Star-Lord, bro, this is it. I need you to protect her. I will protect her, Kate Yeager. I promise. And there's a big group hug and it's like, oh, Kate accepts their relationship now. It took the end of the world, but we're finally there. Optimus Prime goes to some abandoned fucking farm factory in Hong Kong, I guess. I don't fucking know, and I don't care. Lockdown is in a ship. Lockdown, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how. I think he jumps out of his ship. He jumps in slow motion and yells, Prime! And just unloads missiles. It's ludicrous, but it kind of works. And they fight. 
They fight for a little bit, actually, and the camera gives them full attention. It's not bad. Lockdown is a beast. Like, I like the way they've animated his fighting style. He's very limber. He's doing some martial arts. I mean, it's fine. This is what I paid for. At least I'm getting some here at the end. The Dinobots hold the bridge. I don't know what that means. It happens. They, they're running on a bridge. They transform, and, and Crosshairs is like, let's hold the bridge. Never comes into play. It just gets him out of the fight. I, I, I don't know. I don't care at this point. Uh, Optimus is on the losing end of this battle with Lockdown, and Cade's like, yo, bro, I'm here. I told you I'd make it. But Kelsey Grammer is here, too. He has Cade at gunpoint, and he starts to monologue. Optimus sees this and yells, Cade! He runs over to Kelsey Kramer and yells, Ratchet And straight up executes Kelsey Kramer. Not bad. But this gives Lockdown the advantage. He stabs Optimus Prime with his own sword, which also is covered in blue and red flames. I might add an Optimus is now stuck in a wall, pinned to it with his own sword. Autobots, leave this out of the report. I'm warning you. But Cade's like, bro, I got you back. And God damn it, Cade fights Lockdown and doesn't just immediately get obliterated. He shoots him with his little gun blade thing. Bumblebee is here. I will say this, boss moment, Bumblebee shows up in his vehicle form and then lets out the humans and then races towards Lockdown transforms and folks in midair he does some sort of a spinaroonie kick it's tremendous everybody's getting in on this big fight the music starts to have lyrics even like the the orchestra music it's like oh it's the end of the movie something's gonna happen now even tessa helps star lord wraps locked uh wraps lock trips locked down with like a a, a tow truck cable and then a uh, tessa attaches the tow truck cable to optimus prime sword and star lord rips it out by driving it away and i will say as he rips the sword out of optimus prime not only is optimus excited to no longer be embarrassed by this moment he leaps catches the sword in midair and stabs it through the back of lockdown and i believe it hits him in the spark because there's some purple energy in his chest. Uh, Lockdown falls forward, uh, spits out some gold vomit on Kate Yeager. Well, hey, you know, everybody's got to pay, pay some sort of price. Uh, Prime swipes the sword upwards. Lockdown's uh, face is split in two. It's a cool visual, I guess. Uh, Prime yells, Honor till the end! Again, I think Peter Collins just confused and yelling things into a microphone like some goddamn Vietnam vet. There's nothing funny about <laughs> Honor till the end! He's just in Burger King. <laughs> Star-Lord kisses Tessa. Uh, they set off some sort of a grenade to kill the rest of the KSI Transformers. Prime swoops everybody, everybody up and they fly away. I forgot he could fly. Why didn't you use that either? Uh, we cut to the mountains and Galvatron is just standing there with a fucking bucket of popcorn watching... He, he hasn't done one thing this entire end of the movie. Anyway, he's got the popcorn. Like I said, he's just chewing away. And he's like, well, I'll get you next time, Gadget. And flies away to the sequel. Everybody's hugging. It's over. All the Autobots are standing there with their thumbs up their asses. The humans are still alive, unfortunately. At least TJ Miller got killed. And uh, Cade's like, well, we got to get home. Triple H might be calling any minute now. But Tessa's like, we don't have a home. 
Stanley Tucci walks up and he's like, well, guess what, Kane? You won the house! You know, because he's going to make him a house because he's rich. Optimus says, brave warriors, you are free. The Dinobots, fist in the air, like, yeah! They transform back into dinosaurs and they just run away into the Hong Kong wilderness. Well, the music starts playing. It's time for an Optimus Prime speech. (laughs) I must go. Will we ever see you again, bro? Well, Cade Yeager, the next time you look to the stars, think of them as my soul. (laughs) And to my creators, I'm coming for you. No one to save you now! Directed by Michael Bay. Yikes! Well, it's finally over, ladies and gentlemen. I have officially relayed to you what happens in Transformers Age of Extinction. I'm exhausted, and I think I want to go take care of my seed. But before I can go, is this junk? It's kind of funny. I, I remember that when I saw this in the theater for the first time, walking out, and anyone who asked me if I saw Transformers 4 and how was it, I was like, you know what? It's such an improvement over the other ones. I, I said that. I was like, you know what? It's. I was like, you know what? Oh, it's so much better than the other ones. They, t- they took it so much more seriously. It's really good. And you know what? I must have been high as a kite. Because this movie is not good. It is junk. Now, it's very expensive, good-looking junk. Maybe that's the point I was trying to get across, is that you can actually... You know what? You can't, though. Because I rewatched it, and I tried hard. In that last battle, you can't tell who anybody is except the Autobots. I guess that's the point, though. They are color... I'm also very colorblind, so that it helps when, like... Because Drift's, like, purple or blue, and Crosshair's and Hound... Well, Crosshair's is green, and Hound's fat. Bumblebee is Bumblebee, and Prime you can't miss. But I don't know. It's just... The worst Transformers movie is is Revenge of the Fallen, I think. I, I think... I, I know The Last Night's awful. I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it once, and I never watched it again. Um... I don't know if this is better than Dark of the Moon or not. I haven't watched Dark Dark of the Moon in like 10 years. So I'll have to report back. But yeah, this, this is junk. This is everything that's wrong with American blockbusters. And I will say this, though. As I leave you here on the new TNN's latest edition of Junkman, this movie has made me more excited for Transformers Rise of the Beast. How, you might ask? Because I think Transformers can be entertaining. I think you just gotta lean into it. Lean into Transformers, not lean into people. And perhaps with a different fucking point of view behind the camera, we might get something that feels different. Because all five of the Transformers movies that Bay directed feel the same, regardless of their quality. They all do. So... One of the things that made Bumblebee such a refreshing feeling was that uh, it just wasn't Michael Bay's Transformers. So I'm more excited than I have been for years to see a Transformers movie knowing that it's not directed by Michael Bay. 
But you know what? Here on the new TNN, there's nothing directed by Michael Bay. It's all directed by Johnny C, who is I. And if you've enjoyed yourself, don't let anything stand in your way. Tweet this shit out to somebody. Share a link. Write a review on iTunes or some shit. I hear, pray tell, that's important. But most importantly, don't watch this movie. Jerk off or something. You'll have more fun. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. We are Pop and Autobots. Roll out. Correct.